Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Today is Friday. It is the 16th of June. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. A haze engulfed eastern Iowa yesterday, painting the sky gray, making noses crinkle and forcing coughs from residents. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports the wave of smoke had wafted down from more than 300 wildfires blazing in Canada. It wasn't the haze's first visit to the northern U.S. this summer, and it likely won't be the last. Wildfire smoke carries a mixture of solid and liquid particles that is dangerous to breathe in. Its heavy presence caused the Iowa Department of Natural Resources to issue an air quality advisory early yesterday afternoon for portions of central and eastern Iowa. The Iowa Supreme Court is expected to issue a major decision today on abortion rights in the state. IPR's Katerina Sestorek has more. The court's decision could lead to abortion being banned in Iowa around six weeks of pregnancy. Abortion is currently legal up to 20 weeks. Governor Kim Reynolds signed a bill into law in 2018 that says abortion is banned with some exceptions when a, quote, fetal heartbeat is detected. That's about six weeks after a person's last period. The law was blocked by the Polk County District Court and never took effect because it was ruled unconstitutional. But last June, the Iowa Supreme Court and U.S. Supreme Court opened the door to banning abortion, and Reynolds asked the Iowa Supreme Court to reinstate the six-week ban. According to Planned Parenthood, the law would ban about 98 percent of abortions in Iowa. Depending on on the outcome, Republican lawmakers could return to the Capitol and pass new abortion restrictions. The state unemployment rate for May remained at 2.7 percent. Iowa Workforce Development Director Beth Townsend says job losses were offset by more workers joining the labor force. We saw 6,400 people come back into the workforce, so that's a really good sign. Uh, we saw a decrease in the total number of unemployed individuals by 500 from month to month. So When people are coming back into the workforce, they're also coming in and finding jobs. The labor force participation rate moved up to 68.5 percent in May, getting closer to the 69 percent rate before the pandemic. Total non-farm employment did drop by 200 jobs in May, with manufacturing losing 1,400 jobs. An accident at the Iowa State Fair last year left a track official seriously injured, according to a lawsuit filed against the fair and the Tractor Pull Association. The Des Moines Register reports it happened during the outlaw truck and tractor pull at the 2022 State Fair. It apparently received no news coverage. Different classes of trucks and tractors compete in the event to haul sleds with progressively more unbalanced weights across a defined course. In a May 26th complaint, Kevin Birch says he was on the course as an official on August 16th, 2022, when he was suddenly and unexpectedly struck by a skid loader and pulled to the ground. Birch sustained numerous injuries, according to the complaint, including 11 broken ribs and multiple leg fractures. It says he was hospitalized for 23 days, underwent multiple surgeries, and has permanent damage to his right leg. And it's the third year in a row that drought has plagued Iowa and conditions are not letting up. State climatologist Justin Glisson says the state has seen 40 to 45 percent of normal rainfall and there's diminished soil moisture. And when we take all of these conditions together, we're in what we call rapid onset drought or flash drought. And these are characteristic uh, of higher temperatures, uh, more evapotranspiration by 
by plants, but also these very dry conditions. So definitely we've seen drought conditions expand over the last several weeks. Drought across the state still remains the worst in western Iowa, where there's low soil moisture and low stream flows. That says eastern Iowa has seen some relief overall, but those conditions could backslide as precipitation stays away. Glisten made his comments on IPR's River to River yesterday. This is Here First from IPR News. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Since the age of the dinosaurs, pallid sturgeon have thrived in what's become the Missouri River. The fish made it through mass extinctions and multiple ice ages. But populations have plummeted over the last 90 years as humans installed dams and engineered the river current. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rimbert reports the pallid sturgeon struggle may be a signal of larger issues in the Missouri River. Early on a fall morning, a graduate student leans forward on an airboat, reaching for a fishing line that she baited the night before. For hours, it floated in Nebraska's Platte River, an offshoot of the Missouri. Her professor, Mark Pegg, looks on to see what she's caught. Looks like there's a fish or two on. Might not be the right fish, but... (laughs) Pegg and his students are searching for the endangered pallid sturgeon. It's a funny-looking fish with a long snout and a humped back, all covered in beige scales. The funky features are for a good reason, says Wayne Nelson Stastny with the Fish and Wildlife Service. If you're going to design a fish in an engineering program to the Missouri River, where you can't see, you can smell, you can hear, and to be able to handle the currents, a pallid sturgeon is what you would design. But those traits didn't help out when the pallid came up against the massive projects of the 20th century, when engineers built dams and narrowed the river. That basically eliminated the fish's habitat, and soon it was rare to catch a young pallid sturgeon. What they were capturing was older fish, never anything in the, you know, the small, young type pallids. And so there was a major concern about, are we going to have this population go extinct? Biologists were worried about what it meant if this fish, so in tune with the river after millions of years of evolution, was struggling. Those concerns kick-started a hatchery to resuscitate the pallid sturgeon population. Biologist Chris Hooley leads the Gavin's Point National Fish Hatchery in Yankton, South Dakota. He talks over dozens of huge fish tanks to explain the program. In this building, there's about 1,600 fish. And what it serves for is it's a genetic backup for the pallid sturgeon in the upper Missouri River. The hatchery raises baby pallids from eggs and then releases them into the river to keep the population going. Hooley uses an ultrasound machine to examine a fish. Oh, winner, winner. All those little BBs that you see are actually black eggs inside this fish. So this is a female that's reproductive that will spawn in the spring. But eventually, biologists want pallids to reproduce naturally and grow in the Missouri without their help. So the Corps of Engineers has been working to recreate their pre-engineering habitats. Changing stretches of the river to benefit endangered species hasn't been popular. It came to a head after the region saw devastating floods in 2011 and 2019. Farmers blamed the habitat restoration projects for their damaged property. 
Here's Wayne Nelson Stastny of Fish and Wildlife again. I've been in meetings where busloads of people show up and say, my farm is not your laboratory. But to Jared Mestel, who worked in Nebraska game and parks for decades, the pallid sturgeon has mistakenly become a scapegoat for larger problems on the river. The ecosystem is in trouble on the Missouri River. It's not the pallid sturgeon is in trouble. Mestel thinks narrowing the river for the navigation industry increased flood heights and frequencies. He says undoing those projects and widening the river could restore habitat for animals like the pallid sturgeon and make more room for flood years. Yes, it will cost a lot of money, but have a system that will meet our needs today and for a long way in the future. A future that will likely include more flooding as climatologists predict stronger and more frequent storms. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rembert. This story is part of NOVA's Climate Across America initiative with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. It's being distributed by Harvest Public Media, which IPR News is a part of. This is here first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them so you can listen every weekday morning. And thank you, of course, for listening. <laughs>